0: Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Um, It feels like it's been a little while since we had some time together, and it probably has been. Um, We're shifting gears, stepping into some new things. Uh, I think for this week and next, I've got a bit of a thematic run that we're going to tackle. It's been uh, fresh in some conversations here at work, and um, I think it's, it's something that is good for us to just be, um, I don't know, thinking on, processing through, interacting with the scripture about, and and taking to the Lord. Um, so we're, we're jumping into this this week. Um, the title of this one is Submission, Design, and Jesus. And right off the bat, I know that that title is going to start evoking some reaction, and that's okay. Um, I guess my request as we get into this is to let me talk this through and for us to pay attention to what's going on with it as we get into it. And uh, as I say that, they start working on the doors again just outside in the hallway. And so if there's some background noise and they're working, sawing, drilling, whatever, I apologize. But recently um, there's been some conversations I've had with our chapel director that have been around these ideas. And Um, recently the teachers in our biblical studies department had an opportunity to speak in chapel as a panel and at CCS we call it the panel of wisdom and it's always um, a a good time it's fun it's an engaging thing Uh, our students get to ask questions and then we get to prepare responses to those questions and so this time around we did it a little bit differently but our chapel director led us with prompts and questions, and then we addressed topics that we had prepared in advance. Um, I took the opportunity to speak about love from the viewpoint of the Bible and the four Greek words that get translated into one English word, love. But the four Greek words are eros, which is uh, the Greek word for romantic or erotic, love and affection. Uh, storge, which is a friendship and a familial kind of love, um, Phileo, which is uh, brotherly love or brotherly affection. Uh, normally, it's translated brotherly love. It's where we get Philadelphia. Um, it is about the friendships that we choose. Sort of as as we would talk about it today, I think we would say it's it's the friendships we choose that become people who are family or like family to us. Um, outside of the world of the Bible, phileo is used almost exclusively, as far as I know, in a, in a in a military context where it's used to describe the kinds of bonds and relationships that are forged when people go to war together. Um, and then agape is the last of them. And I've talked about them in this order because this is kind of the hierarchy. We start at the bottom with Eros and then we work to Storge and we work to Phileo and then from there we go to Agape and Agape is a selfless, sacrificial um, act of the will that intends what is in someone else's best interest. And all four of these Greek words get translated into English as love in some sense, and so I spoke about the, the nature of these words and how it works where we we derive our concept of love in the Bible around this concept of agape. One of my colleagues spoke about how we honor our parents and the people in our lives who are in authority over us. Uh, we were talking about love and honor. We've been talking about love and honor this year. And so this was another way that we could do that. I, I picked love. He chose to talk about honoring our parents and the fifth commandment in the 10. Um, He mentioned submitting to those who are visible authorities is indicative of how we then submit to God's authority. And I think he's right here. Uh, Another of us and the only woman among us on the panel spoke about surrendering our lives to the Lord. And why really none of the other things that we talked about in chapel matter until we surrender to the Lord. And lastly, a colleague And our MC kind of had a a bit of a back-and-forth discussion about how we deal with our loneliness and our pursuit of relationships. They discussed how we live, surrender to the Lord for ministry while we navigate being single or being married and the things that come along with that. The time seemed to be good and feedback for it has been positive in what I've experienced. But what stayed with me from that conversation is the concept of surrender or submission. All of us talked about submission and surrender without planning to talk about it specifically. Uh, None of us really coordinated our efforts once we had topics picked. We all kind of briefly discussed, well, what are you gonna talk about or what are you gonna say? Because we didn't wanna be sort of stepping on each other. But once we had topics picked, nobody got together and said, hey, let's all talk about submission or surrender. That just kind of happened organically with the leadership of the Holy Spirit, we all mentioned our need for submission in the lives of Christians, being rightly submitted to our authority, learning to yield our will to that of God. I talked about it when I talked about agape in 1 John chapter 4. And so we stumbled into that topic, I think, but the topic has stuck with me And when I get the chance to teach on the topic of original sin and the text of Genesis 3, I always want my classes to discuss what it means that Adam and Eve took from the tree when they knew the command of God to avoid the tree and the fruit from that tree. This may not seem to be connected to this idea of submission, but I promise you that it is. My students will always tell me it means that Adam and Eve were disobedient. And they're not, they're not wrong, they're right. It does mean that they were disobedient. But I normally need to then fill in the space about the internal orientation of Adam and Eve that led to the outward disobedience. I use examples from their lives that I kind of make up on the fly and we talk about these kinds of things and what I'm trying to get them to think about is what is going on inwardly before Adam and Eve acted outwardly by eating from the fruit of the tree. Something had to have happened. Because Eve says, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. That's Genesis 3, 2. It's her first rebuff and her rebuttal against the serpent when he tempts her to eat from the tree. She knows the command. And at this point in the story, she is resolute to resist the temptation of the serpent. However... When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired for food. Sorry, was good for food, was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desired to make one wise. When she saw that, something changed. And I would argue that that first shift is something in Eve shifted. In that look, she decided to assert her will now to eat from the tree as opposed to being yielded to the will of God. That look at the tree was the moment that things began to go terribly wrong in the garden. When she made the internal shift to no longer be submitted to the will of God and chose to assert the desire of her own will, she entered rebellious territory. And Adam is not far behind her because he's about to do the same thing. It's the inward disposition and lack of submission that leads to the outward problem at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in Genesis 3. See, humanity was made in the image and likeness of God, Genesis 1:26 and 27. We were made to reflect the glory of God to creation and the goodness of creation back to the Lord. Go back and look at the image of God material we talked about in Genesis 1 and 2. Notice that we're not made to assert anything. In fact, I really think that I would argue that humanity was made to be freely submitted partners of the Lord, totally reflecting that image and not asserting anything necessarily unique. The beauty of human uniqueness is that we're the only creatures who reflect that image. The beauty of human uniqueness is that each individual human reflects it in unique facets and ways. But we can choose to submit and reflect or not. And that's as clear as just looking at Genesis chapter 3. However, God's intention for us was to submit to his design to be his image as a reflection of his goodness and character to his created order. His goodness and character reflected in our lives, shown to the created order, and reflecting the goodness of God's creation back to its good creator. The glory of humanity is in this reflection. Instead, what we've done since Genesis 3 is assert our own way. or certain times in our history assert the way of the serpent and we've done so to our own destruction. Jesus calls to us in the midst of this mess asserting our own way instead of reflecting the will of God. Jesus calls to us and he says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. But notice this. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I think it's incredibly significant that he doesn't say we're called to throw off all yoke and burden. Perhaps that's more the voice of our culture. Jesus tells us that we're called to take up the light and easy yoke. Not that none of the yokes and burdens you bear are irrelevant or you should discard them. No, he says take up the light and easy one. Humanity made in the image and likeness of God is designed to be submitted to the will of God and in so doing reflect the glory of God to the world around us. I think we are most fully human when we live submitted to God, and I think Jesus bears this out in the Gospels, that we are most fully what God intended humanity to be when we are submitted to the Lord, reflecting Him to our world and following the example of Jesus. Jesus said this, truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. The Son does it and does it likewise. This is the pattern for the Christian life. Look to the Lord, to God, to the Son. See the will of the Father and do it. This is where we'll pick up the next time we're together. I hope you have a good day. We'll talk next time.